What up, what up, fantasy people? This is another episode of the True North Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Travis Seal. You can find me on Twitter at tseal14. Don't forget to check us all out at True North FFB. I'm here with my co-host Tyrell McLaughlin. Ty, how goes my man? Doing well, doing well. You can find me on Twitter at tnfftyrell. And you can find all of mine and Travis's work at truenorthffb.com. And make sure you hit the website up. We do have our dynasty rankings on the site. And our redraft rankings will be up shortly. Yeah, we also got some really good mini podcasts going up from Ty. He's doing a lot of instant analysis on the preseason, so make sure you check those out. You can find us on all your favorite platforms. Today's episode, we're going to be planting some flags. These are guys that we are going to climb to the top of their hill. We're going to plant our flag, and we're going to live and die with them in 2019. We're also going to talk about some players who might be cut candidates coming in the next couple of weeks that could be fantasy relevant depending on where they land. We're going to finish off with our first guest. This is uh, a buddy of ours who's doing some hip-hop stuff. He lives out in Calgary. He's been actually doing it for like almost 15 years now. Really, really good guy. We grew up with him, so we're going to talk to him at the end, talk to him about a little bit of fantasy, talk about his favorite team, and he's actually going to plant a flag too. So yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to start off here getting into some news. Let's do it. Good news, everyone. You think you're too cool for school. Oh, great news, everyone. But I got a news flash for you, Walter Cronkite. Bad news, everyone. You aren't. Uh-oh, I don't like the sound of that. With the preseason, there's so much news that we've chopped them up into groups. We're going to rattle them off to each other, and we're going to see what each other find relevant and what we're kind of thinking going into our drafts. So I'm going to start with the first group, Ty. Hit me. I want you to tell me what you find the most interesting or what you're looking forward to seeing play out come in the next couple weeks. So there's Zeke's holdout. We got Jerry Jones saying Zeke who in the news. We've got the Melvin Gordon holdout still going as well. It seems like both uh, sides have dug their heels in a bit there. We also heard that Le'Veon Bell's not going to be playing in the preseason, so that'll be pretty interesting. And another piece that you kind of profiled on one of your instant analysis pods Chris Carson getting 15 out of 19 snaps with Russell Wilson in Seattle. Yeah, you know I'm a Steelers fan, so I'll leave out Le'Veon Bell, but with Melvin Gordon, that holdout has the Joey Galloway rule written all over it. I think we will see uh, an extended holdout in that situation. And with Zeke Elliott, you know, who cares? Because Tony Pollard took the first 13 snaps. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm kidding though. I, I, I really think that we talked about on the last pod. We don't think Zeke Elliott's going to hold out any time beyond week three. And we also talked about the cake schedule they have in the first couple weeks. So if he does hold out in the first couple weeks, we won't panic uh, because we know Tony Pollard can hold the load. But uh, seriously, like I think Tony Pollard will have standalone value because I think he'll be moved around this formation and I think he'll have a lot of passing work. And with Chris Carson, we yeah, like you said, he had 15 of the 19 snaps with the first team offense, and he actually lost his shoe on a play as well, so he had to sit out a couple snaps. Shoeless Chris. But, <laughs> wow. Yeah, except he didn't cheat. Truth. So yeah, there was a big takeaway there that Chris Carson needs to be moved way up our boards. And Travis, let me come back at you here with some news. Are you ready? My turn. <laughs> so Emmanuel Sanders played for the Denver Broncos in the preseason. Josh Gordon's reinstatement is all the talk of the fantasy town, and rightfully so. What's his fantasy outlook going to be? We have, of course, Antonio Brown's helmet gate. We heard Mike Mayock's comments. We've seen his agent's comments. We've seen a lot going on there. And Ben Volan of the Boston Globe also talked about the Tennessee Titans quarterback job is in pure Tom Petty mode wide open. Yeah, I think Emmanuel Sanders was a pretty interesting piece, actually. He actually had a rush in that game and a pretty good one. And I saw a really good back shoulder where he was actually underthrown, but he came back and he caught it. It was a really nice play, and you could tell that he was fired up to get out there. AB's helmet gate isn't really big news for me because I think he's going to play. It's just a matter of how he fits in that offense. It's not so much all this diva work that's happening. It's, you know, if you think you're one of the best receivers, you can play with any helmet. So just put the helmet on and play football, please. We actually talked about the Titans quarterback job in our AFC show and that we thought that Tannehill could be a sneaky pickup for Superflex leagues. And this only proves that even more. But the biggest piece for me is the Josh Gordon reinstatement. We also talked about him on the AFC episode and how he had a 16-game pace, uh, 58 catches for over 1,000 yards and around 5 touchdowns. I think if he gets a full season there, he can easily eclipse that. And I think Nikhil Harry owners are a little bit scared right now. And I think if he can become kind of a deep target hog, 
with whatever arm Brady's got left, I think he's going to have a good year under Bill Belichick. So yeah, that's the biggest takeaway for me is Josh Gordon. I want to see him on the field for a season and see what he can put out for fantasy. All right, man, you're up. So we are going to talk about Darius Geis. He's expected to play in the third preseason game, so that'll be nice to see. Uh, your boy Dare Ogunbowale, he's getting reps with the first team. Another one of your boys, actually, CJ Ham. He's getting some third down work in Minnesota. And one of my boys, former CFLer Dontrell Inman, signs back with the Chargers after he asked for a release from the Patriots. What do you like there, man? Yeah, actually, I don't love a lot there. Uh, for Darius Geis, I definitely want to see that offensive line for Washington. I want to see how they look without Trent Williams there. That's kind of my number one key. I also want to see how Case Keenum looks against uh, the rookie quarterback there and Dwayne Haskins. And you know I love Dari Ogunbowale. I couldn't, I can't scream it louder. Go get this kid while he's still really, really cheap. And the CJ Ham news is kind of interesting because number one, he's battling with Blessingham on the same roster. And number two, that Minnesota backfield is just filled entirely with weapons. I mean, they have Alexander Madison, who a lot of people like. They have Mike Boone, who I love. And they also have these two fullbacks that are really, really making things happen in the passing game. So I think this just all goes to show that we might have to be a little bit worried about Dalvin Cook's passing work because they are clearly looking to limit his touches. And Dontrell Inman, well, it kind of makes a lot of sense because they did need to add a piece there, in my opinion. We were going to talk about some of the teams after cut candidates that are likely to add at certain positions, and the Chargers were definitely going to be one at wide receiver. Yeah, I love Inman, man. Former CFLers in the NFL, I'm all about that. And he had some pretty good play with the Chargers, so. Yeah, we'll hop on the Deontay Spencer bandwagon then for the Steelers. He's going to be returning. (laughs) Choo-choo! But let's get into injury news here, because there was actually a lot of that. We always see that early in the preseason. Broncos rookie tight end Noah Fant had a mild ankle sprain. And we saw giant rookie Cardinals wide receiver Hakeem Butler go in the IR for an Elvasion fracture. The first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft, Marquise Hollywood Brown, has a ways to go in Ravens camp. I think the mild ankle sprain for Noah Fant is interesting for redraft leagues. It doesn't really affect much in Dynasty, but it's one to monitor. I'm not too, too worried about that just yet. Injured reserve for Hakeem Butler, that really sucks. I kind of liked him coming out. But doesn't look like he's going to do much in his rookie year. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if they add anybody in Arizona. Because they need a lot of wide receivers if they're going to be running that many four wide receiver sets. I want to see Hollywood Brown get on the field too. A ways to go is not what I want to hear. Especially coming into week three. This is where we want to see him shine with Lamar Jackson. And I'm not sure if we're going to see that. So we might have to wait into the season. So I might be fading him a little bit in redraft. But I still kind of like taking a shot in Dynasty. So I guess that's the big takeaway for me is I want to see Marquise Brown and it sucks that I might not. Yeah, I think we all want to see him for sure. All right, one more round each on the news. We got Derrick Henry back at practice. We got Andrew Luck still not practicing this week. We've got Julian Edelman and Demarius Thomas coming off the non-football injury and the pup list respectively. Yeah, the fact that Tennessee didn't sign a running back, we assumed Derrick Henry would be ready for the regular season. I think the Andrew Luck one's a little bit interesting. There's definitely some apprehension, and rightfully so, because he has had some extremely slow recoveries. But we did see him warming up before the preseason game and doing his regular activities that he would before games for warm-up. And speaking of not signing a free agent, they did have the availability to go and sign a Josh McCown if they were worried about Andrew Luck, because they did have a lot of interest in him before they traded for Jacoby Brissett. And for the Patriots, I mean, Demarius Thomas seems like he got Wally pipped by Jacoby Myers, in my opinion. And so while he might see a couple wide receiver screens and give him another big slot option maybe late in the year, I don't see him having a lot of fantasy value. But with Edelman, I really think that this guy deserves to be talked about in the third round of fantasy drafts. I think he's going to come in. He doesn't need a lot of time to get reacclimated to this offense. He'll come in and he seamlessly has in the past when he's come back from injury, just come back into this offense and really fire for fantasy. And we've seen, looking at his history, that he really just performs as wide receiver 15 to 20 every single year in PPR. Yeah, man, Julian Edelman's been shooting up draft boards the last few drafts I've done, so he's one to watch for sure. So we talked about Marquise Hollywood-Brown and getting into the last little bit of news here, Travis. Let's talk Marquise Lee. He's activated off the pup list for the Jaguars. DK Metcalf for the Seahawks needs knee surgery, minor knee surgery. Do you want to hit those two things for me really quick? Yeah, yeah, let's finish this off. So 
For me, it's the DK news for sure. I think Marquise Lee is probably the odd man out as far as targets are concerned. He might not get cut, but I think as far as targets, he's probably fourth on the pecking order in that receiver room. DK, though, the early report is it's a possible meniscus or maybe a cleanup. The timetable suggests that he can return before week one, but given the team we're dealing with and the player, I don't know if he's going to be there until mid-season. So plan for the worst, DK owners. Yeah, it'd be pretty wild if Marquise Lee fizzles out for fantasy. You're looking at Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, and Marquise Lee all fizzling out in like a couple of years span. It's the Bortles effect. <laughs> yeah, there's the true Bortles effect. Finally, we finally found out what it was. Right on. Yeah. You can't be good anywhere else aside for one season with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like the Bill Belichick of coaching staffs. So yeah. But for quarterbacks. Yeah. If I can't have you, nobody will. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Uh-oh. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. Disciplinary charges. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing. Exciting news, people. And listen. Thank you and good night. That's not good news at all. All right, dude, you ready to plant some flags? Yep, flag day. Uh, actually. Flag day. Yeah, <laughs> flag day. All right, actually, let's preface this by saying that these players we're picking, they could be breakout candidates, but they're also just some of our favorite players going into this year. Yeah, they could be guys that we think are going to outdo their ADP or guys that could be left for dead who we think shouldn't be. Either way, they're all guys that we've been targeting in our drafts, and we think you should too. Ty, why don't you kick us off with one of my favorites too? Okay, I'll hit Miles Sanders. He's a rookie running back out of the Philadelphia Eagles there. And I'm just going to run him down. I'll give you a story. I mean, he had a really good college profile. He was obviously in the shadow of Saquon Barkley. But in his final season, when he finally got the crack at the starting job, he had 220 carries for 1,274 yards. And that's pretty comparable to Saquon's final year of 1,271 yards. And Miles Sanders had the fifth highest team reception share. That's the percent of his team catches in the 2019 running back class. And he's also a really big athletic freak. And what we really love about Miles Sanders is he had the perfect landing spot. It was really uncharacteristic of the general manager, Howie Roseman, not only to take a running back that high, but to trade up to do so. And that is the heaviest investment Harry Roseman's ever made at the running back in his nine-year tenure. And Miles Sanders has so much working in his favor. The offensive line was ranked fifth overall in PFF in 2018 for the Philadelphia Eagles. And they might be the best unit heading into 2019. And the offense in Philadelphia is trending up entirely. And the big detractor for Miles Sanders and his draft stock has been the running back by committee theory. And I kind of want to debunk it. Under Doug Peterson, I know the highest team rush share on Philadelphia was LeGarrette Blunt with under 37% of the team's carries in 2017, but he's really only had people like Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, LeGarrette Blunt, and Corey Clement to work with. And a lot of people talk about Doug Peterson and Deuce Staley, the running backs coach, when it comes to the running back by committee theory, but both those coaches were on Andy Reid's staff for the Shady McCoy pick, and they were also there through the Ryan Matthews era and the DeMarco Murray era. Sorry, Traff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're making some really good points, man. I, I've i always kind of thought that the running back by committee thing is more the players as well. So I'm totally on board with that. I think it's going to be amazing to see Miles Sanders get his shot. I hope it's sooner rather than later. I don't know if it will be with Jordan Howard there, but he's going to be great in that offense, man. Yeah, you're right. He's going to get a lot of touchdowns vultured by Jordan Howard while Jordan Howard's there. But I think a lot of the high leverage plays should still feature Miles Sanders. You know what I mean? I don't see the Philly special being run with Jordan Howard in the package. <laughs> but I do put Wade and Deuce Staley. He does have a lot of pull in the Philadelphia Eagles organization. He actually interviewed against Doug Peterson for the head coaching job. But we've also seen them give running backs a lot of usage in the past, even as recent as Jay Ajayi when they brought him in. And my big point is that Miles Sanders is ranked as my RB20 in my rankings, and he's 56 overall. And his ADP right now is 68th overall, and he's going as running back 30. So I just think there's so much room for upside, and he makes for a perfect running back three. Yeah, man, I love all that. You know I love talking birds, especially when they got a good team. So giddy up, Miles Sanders. Yeah, and you know I hated having to make one of my flag guys a Philadelphia Eagle. <laughs> but you did it anyway, and it was awesome. You just got to have those blinders on in fantasy football, right? But give me your first flag guy, Trav. Yeah, I'm going to talk Calvin Ridley here. I had him in a few leagues last year and he paid off pretty big for me with wide receiver two upside he just kind of proved that he's a great route runner 
great separator. He was number six in the NFL at 1.84 yards of separation per target. He also delivered the sixth best QB rating when targeted, so there's a lot to build on there. And then getting into Dirk Cutter's return, the wide receiver two on average in the three years he was offensive coordinator was targeted 109 times for 992 yards and eight touchdowns. They actually averaged 635 attempts in those three seasons. And as Ty mentioned on our last pod, Harry Douglas had 132 targets in one of those years where Julio only played five games. Harry D. Harry D. Big Harry D. (laughs) You don't have to make it weird. (laughs) Yeah, I just see a lot of huge upside for Calvin Ridley this year. If that passing offense can condense a little bit with a little bit less Mohamed Sanu, mainly Julio, Calvin Ridley, and Austin Hooper, kind of like the Roddy White, Julio, and Tony Gonzalez Falcons that Ketter's used to, Ridley's going as an early fourth in dynasty leagues and an early fifth in redraft, and I think that's pretty good value for him, especially in dynasty where he's going to be the future number one for that team, and he's probably going to catch a little bit of Matt Ryan still too before he retires. Yeah, those are all really good points, and you know I, I'm really behind the whole Atlanta is going to be very pass-heavy this year. But how are you valuing him in your fantasy drafts? Yeah, he's my wide receiver 18 in Dynasty, and I think that early fourth round in startups is going to look really good in a few years, so I'd take him right there as my wide receiver too. All right, let's keep this moving with another player that you're going to plant your flag in, Ty. Yeah, good old Latavius. Latavius. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll hit Latavius Murray because I am a big fan of him this year. And honestly, if I knew I would be repping Latavius Murray this hard one year ago, I probably would have just quit fantasy at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Like, actually. (laughs) But Mark Ingram is out of New Orleans and Latavius Murray is in. And when you look at the money and some of the spats between Sean Payton and Mark Ingram in the recent years, it kind of looks like the Saints want Latavius Murray on the scene more than they wanted Mark Ingram. And we all know anecdotally the Saints are where it's at for fantasy football running backs. Like, they always have two pieces of their backfield bearing fantasy fruit at all times, every week, all seasons, every season. Go get them. And, yeah, and league winners are usually Saints running backs. They really are. Timmy Hightower. Ew, yeah. And that was because Mark Ingram was fumbling near the end of the year there. But the reason we love Saints running backs is because their offensive line has really taken a huge step forward as they've transitioned this offense to the run game. In 2016, they ran the ball 37% of the time, and in 2018, they ran the ball 48% of the time. And over those two years, the Saints led the league in rushing touchdowns both seasons. And Latavius Murray comes in to take Mark Ingram's workload. And Mark Ingram had 40 carries inside the 10-yard line during that period. And carries inside the 10 are really the statistically most valuable touches for fantasy football. And the Saints' 49 rushing touchdowns over the last two years just crushes anybody else in the NFL. And they're also number one in red zone rushing attempts as a team last year. But the craziest stat is that even before Drew Brees took a backseat to the run game, the Saints dominated fantasy when it comes to their running backs. In the last seven years, here's how they ranked in fantasy points per game as a team from the running backs. First, 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 second, first, second, first. (laughs) So it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, like we just want these Saints running backs so bad. So enter Latavius Murray. He can really handle this specific role as a goal line back as well. In 2017, remember Dalvin Cook was injured in Minnesota and Latavius Murray came in and had the fourth most red zone rushing attempts in the NFL that season. And for playing revisionist history, we remember him behind that solid offensive line in Oakland. He did very well. And so it's just a move that I'm really just chasing touchdowns. And I really, I I just guarantee they're going to be there. And anything Latavius Murray gives you in the passing game will just be a bonus. But New Orleans running backs were targeted 29% of the time, which was second in the NFL last year. And they were number one in the NFL the year before at 32%. Yeah, man, I uh, I was actually an owner of Latavius back in his Oakland days. And he was amazing on my fantasy roster that year. I remember loving him and I've loved him ever since. It's going to be interesting to see him in a high powered offense like this. And I think this offensive line is probably better than the one that he had in Oakland. So it'll be sweet to see what he can do. It's definitely better than the one he had in Minnesota. But uh, where do you have Latavius ranked? It's going to be an interesting ranking to see this year for a lot of people. And I'm curious to see where you got him at. Yeah, I mean, I think I just want to say that he, I value him as a huge teardrop at running back in fantasy drafts. You know, like he's the, he's number one, he's my favorite running back three in fantasy, but he also is that player that is the tear break of where I'm comfortable taking running backs that I'm going to plug into my starting lineup all season long. So his ADP is actually in the eighth round or late seventh right now. He's running back 33. I have him ranked at running back 24 and 61st overall. And when accounting for draft position, I'm willing to take him in like the fifth or sixth round to secure him. 
For sure, man. I think 24, he could easily exceed that in the Saints offense. So, who dat? <laughs> who dat nation? Okay, so sorry if I got a little carried away there. Do you want to hit? Uh, do you want to hit your next flag guy for us, Trav? Yeah, man. I'm gonna hit Deshaun Jackson. Fly Eagles, fly once again. D Jax is back, and I can take that number 10 jersey off the wall and put it on my back again. So that's pretty sweet. But for real though, like D Jax still has the wheels. He's always near the top in yards per reception. He was actually second in 2018 with 18.9, and his A dot was actually exactly the same, 18.9 which is pretty unreal. He's got a great deep ball quarterback and a scheme that's needed a player like him for the past couple of years. Trust me, as an Eagles fan, we've needed a player like this on the outside for the last couple of years. He fits really well with Wentz's playing style. I mean, when Wentz scrambles, he's always looking to pass and nobody gets open deep quite like Djax. I don't think there's ever been a player that I've seen be so wide open behind the defense all the time. And I can't wait to see him walk backwards into the end zone this year. And couple that with a great offensive line that's going to give him time to get down the field. The key for him is always going to be health, though. Yeah, totally. I think he's averaged like three and a half missed games in the last four years. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, in the 10th round, usually as a wide receiver four on rosters, playing on an offense like that with Carson Wentz, who likes to take shots, I'm planting that flag, man. Yeah, that was all really well said. And we know that Carson Wentz finally has a ton of weapons at his disposal this year. Yeah, man, but why don't we get into your next flag planter? Okay, I'm going to go to Tampa Bay. I want to hit the wide receiver, Chris Godwin. And I know he is a pretty popular flag planted player, but I'm planting my flag too. (laughs) (laughs) It's crowded up there, but it might be profitable. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to reach ahead of those players and take him in the third round. I don't care. He saw a breakout last year, but I expect he can take an even bigger step this year. And Godwin is going to see a huge spike in volume this year. Last year, Godwin was wide receiver 27 in fantasy, even though he was fourth on Tampa Bay in targets per game. And so we know with Deshaun Jackson, who you just touched on, and also Adam Humphreys walking in free agency, the Buccaneers have 234 targets up for grabs, the fourth most in the league. And we know how much we love Chris Godwin's talent and the fact that he was used in the red zone and has shown better efficiency than Mike Evans in the red zone. But now enter Bruce Arians, giving the reins of this offense to Jameis Winston, And this offense becoming a really condensed one, I think Chris Godwin is just going to blow up this year. And he is set to play the Zed wide receiver role in a Bruce Arians offense. And that's always been a coveted one for fantasy. And that stems back from Heinz Ward all the way up until Larry Fitzgerald most recently. So I alluded to it just before. I'm taking Chris Godwin as early as the third round in my drafts right now. Yeah, what's your ranking at? Yeah, in Dynasty, I have him as wide receiver 14. I think this offense is really set to explode for the next two or three years under this core group of players here, OJ Howard, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin taking almost all the work in Tampa Bay. Yeah, Godwin's going to be great this year. I was pretty skeptical, but then they brought in Bruce Arians, and that's huge. I love Bruce. And then we've been talking a lot about the targets that are available there and how this offense is going to function, and I'm getting more signed up for Godwin. All right, Travis, so who are you going to go out on a limb for and die on the hill by next? I'm going to live and die with Mark Andrews. Everybody knows the rookie season he had. He was top five all time as far as rookie tight end receiving yards. He came in at number five in that category, but he only had 34 receptions. That's more than 10 receptions less than anyone else in the top five. And of the top 10, he still has the least receptions, the next lowest being 39 from Chris Herndon, which was also in 2018. One place I see some huge upside is that he only ran over 20 routes in three games last year. Top-end tight ends run between 25 and 40, so that number's going to increase pretty big for Mark Andrews. Lump in the fact that he's looked like a foundational piece in camp and that you can snipe him in the double-digit rounds. Mark Andrews is where my flag's planted this season when it comes to tight ends. I love it. He's my main target if I miss out on O.J. Howard in drafts. Yeah, man. He's just great to have. I mean, you're getting him double digits easy. And you can stock up so hard elsewhere that Mark Andrews is still going to produce, I think, top 12 numbers this year. Okay, Ty, why don't you get us into the last hill that you're going to die on, my man? Yeah, I'm going to hit Brandon Cooks. I think he remains the most underrated wide receiver in fantasy for maybe the third consecutive offseason. But he's coming off his fourth straight 1,100-yard season. And last year, he only had five touchdowns, which was the lowest since his rookie year. And speaking of last year, he actually led the team in red zone targets and targets inside the 10 among all the wide receivers on the Rams. 
And what I mainly want to do with Brendan Cooks is debunk some uh, misconceptions. A lot of people call him boomer bust, but I totally disagree. And last year in 73% of his games, Brendan Cooks saw seven targets or more. The other misconception is that he definitely had a really good year last year because Cooper Cup was injured. But that couldn't be further from the truth. He's actually much better with Cooper Cup on the field. Here's the splits. Brendan Cooks, when Cooper Cup played, averaged 18 points per game in fantasy. And when Cooper Cup missed, he averaged 10.5 points per game for fantasy. In games with Cooper Cup on the field, he averaged 111 receiving yards. And in games without Cooper Cup, he averaged only 59 receiving yards. And so when we start to analyze the Los Angeles Rams, we realize that they probably are going to diminish Todd Gurley's workload. And the main beneficiaries could actually be the wide receivers in Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks when it comes to the high leverage targets near the red zone. We saw Todd Gurley be the most heavily used player in the NFL over the last two years inside the red zone. So if we see some of that work transfer, it will transfer to Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup. And I really do think Brandon Cooks is as talented as wide receivers get in the NFL. I'm really interested to see how Robert Woods' role looks there going forward. Yeah, and I think for Dynasty, it's interesting to note that Robert Woods is the oldest in this wide receiver group. And really sneakily, Brandon Cooks is the youngest. (laughs) Wow, I did not know that. I know a lot of people assume that Cooper Cup is younger than him. Yeah, he came out of that 2014 class, and I think you're right when you say he's underrated. He is so underrated. It's just Mr. 1100 yards. I'm going to move into my last flag planter here. Yeah, flag day is almost over. Yeah, I'm at half mast right now, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So my last guy is going to be Robbie Anderson. Robbie A, he came on really strong at the end of last season. He built a bunch of rapport with Sam Darnold. His finishing line wasn't spectacular. He had 50 catches for 752 yards and 6 touchdowns. But I think he's going to make the jump and be their alpha this year. He was top 10 in average depth of target with 16.9 yards. So we know he should be their deep threat. Given some health, he should easily exceed those 2019 numbers as well. In my opinion, the new pieces in New York can only help him. He's not the only receiving threat anymore, and the attention to Le'Veon Bell could help big in the play-action game, as well as keeping defenders honest with a respectable running game. This is another guy that was a great asset for me down the stretch in my fantasy leagues, and I think he's going to continue that this year. This is the kind of guy that I like to look for when I'm looking for breakout players, is guys who have a stable quarterback situation, guys who put up numbers at the end of the season prior. Look at Damian Williams this year. Robbie Anderson's that for me as a wide receiver. All right, so my flag has been planted. Your flags have been planted. Let's get out of this one. Let's fly. You will find true love on Flag Day. Why, it's Flag Day today. It <gasps> True love at last. Well, it's just you and me here, sir. No time for jokes, Smithers. Come along. We're going womanizing. Okay, Travis, so before we head out of here tonight, do you want to just hit some cut candidates and make sure we're staying on top of these guys? Yeah, man, let's do that. Let's do that. There's always guys that are going to get cut and go to a roster where they could put up some fantasy points for your team, so it's always good to stay ahead of the curve on that. I'm just going to get right into it here. I'm going to talk about the Buffalo running back situation. It's looking like it's going to be either Yeldon or Gore that gets cut, and it looks more and more like Gore is going to stay. So TJ Yeldon, if he's cut, he could be a great passing down back for someone. We've seen some really good work from him before, and I was kind of hopeful going into this year, but he could actually end up in a better position if he were to get cut and sign somewhere else. So TJ Yeldon's one that I'm watching to get cut. Yeah, that's a good one. We need to make sure we monitor teams that need a pass-catching running back. We're thinking about teams like Jacksonville and teams like Miami could signal Kenyon Drake's health if they were to pick up a player like TJ Yeldon. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. The next couple guys I'm going to get into are Ito Smith and Brian Hill. I'm not particularly an Ito Smith fan, but he showed a little bit last year that's probably going to land him on somebody's roster, even if he gets cut. Brian Hill was a good prospect, and he gained quite a bit of steam in the fantasy community through camp, but he dropped a pass in the end zone in preseason week two. We think one of these guys gets cut, so keep an eye on that landing spot for sure. I think it's going to be Ito that gets cut, though. Yeah, I kind of like both those players coming in the pre-draft process, so it'll break my heart a little bit to see who gets cut. All right, your turn. Who's getting cut? Okay, I'm just going to hit a couple backfields instead of specific guys, even though I'll talk about specific guys. But first, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have Jordan Howard as their early down banger, and they have the ageless Darren Sproles as the lock to make the team after just recently signing him. And we know Miles Sanders is, of course, their ace in the hole. 
And with those three locked into the 53, we know Boston Scott and Donnell Pumphrey are definitely being cut. But the Eagles also have Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, and Corey Clement. All three of those players can't be kept. At the most extreme, they can keep five running backs, which means they can only keep two of those players. So Travis, you're the Eagles fan. Who do you think they're definitely keeping out of those three? Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement. I think Clement's definitely getting kept. He's pretty versatile. Yeah, three down, three down skill set. That's why you think so? Yeah, I think Clement's getting kept. And it's a real it's a real toss up between the other two. I mean, Jordan Howard is kind of what Josh Adams would be, but Jordan Howard's not a long term option, so you could keep Josh Adams. Wendell Smallwood's a little bit more versatile, but they have a lot of versatility here. So I actually think it's probably gonna be Smallwood that gets cut. That's trippy. That's actually a really good way to look at it. I hadn't really thought about the whole Josh Adams being able to serve an early down banger role in the future. That's actually a really, really good point. Uh, if Wendell Smallwood was to be cut, he's a really interesting option in several locations. Like if he gets signed somewhere, he's definitely a player I'll be watching. Whereas Josh Adams, if he was to be cut and signed somewhere, I'll be less interested in him because of his obvious pass catching limitations. Yeah, man. And Smallwood was actually their best back at certain points last year. Yeah, I totally agree. He's always come in and done exactly what he's asked to do. Uh, anytime he's been asked to do anything in Philadelphia. And the other backfield I want to hit is the Minnesota Vikings. We know Dalvin Cook's locked into his role, but we also know his durability concerns. And behind him, Alexander Madison's player I've never been into. We did go into him in the last podcast, so I won't dive into him. But Mike Boone's a player that I haven't talked about a lot, and everybody knows that I do love him. And while some people consider him just a preseason all-star, I consider him a little bit more. So if he was to be cut from the Vikings, I definitely want to monitor his name. And we know that CJ Ham and Kari Blassingham are both battling for the same spot. So one of those two players could be cut and they are both super talented players. So we need to keep an eye on both of them. And I want to hit your boy Amir Abdullah really quick because I think he might get cut. I know he does contribute on special teams for the Minnesota Vikings, but given how talented and how well Mike Boone always shows out in the preseason, you really have to keep him on your roster at this point. So you really can't keep Dalvin Cook, Amir Abdullah, Alexander Madison, and Mike Boone. And so if Amir Dula was to be cut, I think we all know where he's going to go, especially if you want to go back all the way to watching uh, All or Nothing Season 1 with the Arizona Cardinals, because we know Bruce Arians really liked Amir Abdullah, and he was heartbroken to have to take David Johnson there as his second option. So I think if Amir Abdullah gets cut from the Vikings, we could definitely look at Tampa Bay as a realistic landing spot. Yeah, Abdullah's uh, coming back. The dream is not dead. <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe I just got your hopes up there, actually. Yeah, well, they've been up the whole time, man, so it wasn't you. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I like the points you made on Mike Boone there. You've been on Boone since before last season, actually. You were I remember you were talking him up last year. So as somebody who just drafted Dalvin Cook in a startup that we're in, and somebody who missed out on Madison, I might have to get me a booner pretty soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Classic sweatpant booner. Don't want to be standing in the front of the class presenting when you get one of them. No, it's not exciting and it's obvious that it's going to happen, but you know, it is what it is. That's what taking Mike Boone at the end of your dynasty startups is all about. All right, so do you want to get out of here or do you got anyone else you want to hit? Yeah, I'm just going to polish this thing off with a couple wide receivers. I'm looking at Tennessee. You got Taewon Taylor and Tajay Sharp. Oh, I love it. Those guys were, you know, touted as some talent coming into last season and potentially the season before, I think. Um, So it's a bit crowded there with A.J. Brown coming in and Corey Davis. And I think one of those guys is probably gone. And it could be interesting to see where they get picked up. And the last guy is Laquan Treadwell from Minnesota. Bit of a Minnesota theme here, I guess, eh? Um, Yeah, Laquan Farewell, more like it. No doubt. I feel like Mike Zimmer is like that owner in your fantasy league who has a guy who gets injured and he's just tossing out trade offers for full value. I feel like that's what Mike Zimmer's doing with Treadwell right now. Yeah, totally. They are offering him around the league. It's pathetic. Yeah, so I think uh, he's probably going to end up getting cut or going somewhere, or he probably just stays because they don't want to bite the bullet on that. Yeah, I think Chad Beebe is showing way too much as a wide receiver three there, so I think they definitely have to cut Treadwell and just bite the bullet, like you said. All right, so that's all we got tonight. Thank you, Ty. No, no, thank you. No, you hang up first, babe. (laughs) No, you look cute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're too much. You're too much. All right, so that's all we got for this episode. We're actually going to cut into another piece where we talk to our buddy Dan 
also known as Transit 22. Check them out on Spotify. But as far as we go, check out the website at truenorthffb.com. You can find us on Twitter at truenorthffb. We got lots of good content. Keep an eye out for Ty's instant analysis podcast from preseason. Yeah, I'm making sure I hit all the first team offenses, all the snap percentages, the breakdowns, all the target distribution from the top quarterback on the team. And I want to make sure I get those out to people quick because I have a hard time finding that information on the internet. Yeah, those are really, really good. Actually, I have a hard time watching all the preseason action myself. So I'll just hit those little pods and Ty fills me right in. It's good. And I am Travis Seal at TCL14 on Twitter. And I'm Tyrell McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at TNFF Tyrell. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Peace. All right, so now we're going to introduce a Canadian hip-hop artist that we grew up with. His name is Dan Bennett, but you might know him as Transit22. You can find his stuff on Spotify there. Dan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. All right, Dan, so we brought you in here because we know that you play fantasy football, but let's start with a little bit of real football here. We know you're okay. a Jets. <laughs> we know you're a Jets fan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of became a Jets fan in the weirdest way where um, I really hated that Brett Favre came back, and I didn't like Brett Favre. And so when he um, went on the Jets, when he left afterwards, I, like, really wanted to root for Sanchez. Like, I was, like, just starting to get back into watching football again because before I was mostly into NFL and or into NBA, sorry. Um, and so I liked the prospect of Sanchez. I mean, at the time, but this is pre butt fumble, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like the first three games when Sanchez came out, it was, it was nuts. And so I liked the prospect of Sanchez, but more than that, my favorite player arguably ever is Darrell Rivas. And so I just loved, I love the fact that like he was shutting down receivers and, you know, he was just, he was cocky about it too. And he had like funny songs and stuff. He was like a hip hop artist. So um, I pretty much joined the Jets fandom uh, because of that. And then, you know, it was kind of felt, it kind of felt weird because um, they started winning right away after that. Um, and so it was like a total bandwagon thing, but then I had to endure butt fumble and like numerous other shitty things affiliated with the Jets. So oh, man. now it's like I've That's earned fine. my rights. Yeah. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for people that stick beside uh, those bad teams. Yeah, and, like, I have some best friends in Calgary that are in my fantasy league that also cheer for the Jets. So it's like a community thing with us and stuff. And, you know, there's been there's been better years, but it's looking good for this year, I think. So, Dan, who are you going to try and grab from the Jets over some of these other guys that are also fans of the Jets in your drafts? Oh, man, dude, that was such a lifesaver. The fact that some of my friends were cheering so hard for the Jets, like some, like when my one buddy took Le'Veon so high. Like, I think he took Le'Veon at four, um, which, which helped my number 11 pick and my, like, pick shortly after that. And then, um, so I, I was like, I wasn't really looking too much at Jets players for fantasy, but I did pick up Jamison Crowder, even though, like he's kind of un- uncertain, but I think that um, he's one of the best receivers on the Jets, and I think that Darnold will like him. And I think that like he's just gonna because Anunwa is is kind of like our main guy, but I think that um, I think that he has like touchdown upside potentially, but he might just stay on my bench because I also like stupidly drafted eight wide receivers, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do. Some, I'm gonna make some trades with some people who are, who are lacking. Well, it sounds like you're pretty sharp. Yeah, you can't be uh, drafting as a homer in your fantasy drafts for sure. And I think Crowder Crowder is in line for a pretty good year if he stays healthy. Yeah, and I think like it's so up. Like people never consider Jets players for fantasy, but they, you know, like guys like Herndon, like they'll get touchdowns. So, so yeah, we love Herndon.
Oh yeah, he he uh, had one of the best rookie seasons as far as yardage for tight ends of all time. Actually, he also played every snap with Sam Darno in the second preseason game. Oh wow, yeah. So they're buddies. Like that's the thing, right? Like Darnold is the kind of quarterback that if you find someone that he likes, you should pick him up off the waiver wire next week because chances are most people won't have him. Yeah, totally. Sounds like you owned a Numa bunch last year. Yeah, yeah, he was great. And I pick him up in DraftKings, too, because he's always, like, super low percentagely owned. But, yeah, totally. That's a great call. Um, but, yeah, Herndon is going to miss the first four games, I think. Yeah, but, I, you know, he they also have a bye week in week five, so I think they could bring him back and acclimate him into the offense right away. And, you know, he's getting all the snaps. I think he could be one of the, like, three down tight ends. Sweet. So, he's got, yeah, grab him in, like, week two or three off the waiver wire for sure. Yeah, and then I think, uh, like, Jamal Adams is cool. Like, he's exciting for me on, on the Jets. He's kind of like the Revis of our Totally. Generation. Absolutely. I think that's um, a call. And if people didn't know, we're all from Victoria, B.C., so we all live on Vancouver Island. So it's it's pretty funny that yeah. the, island, the island boy just loves Revis yeah. Island. Like, that's Revis pretty funny. Island, man. Yeah, yeah that's great. And, um, yeah, you're, you're totally right. Jamal Adams is, like, yeah, he's a little spitfire. You see when he hit that mascot at the Pro Bowl? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> oh, you got to look that up. He just tuned some mascot. I don't know what team it was for. I think it was the Patriots mascot, actually. And he just comes out of nowhere and just wrecks this dude. And I'm pretty sure he got in a bit of trouble for it. Wow, Varsity Blue style. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's, some, uh, there's some characters on that team for sure. It's New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, good what do you guys think like Le'Veon is going to do? Because for me... Like, that's the best. The Jets haven't had a good running back in since Curtis yeah. Martin. I mean, we got Forte when he was on his way out, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the closest, yeah. really, that we've had in, like, 10 years. Yeah, I'm actually coming up on Le'Veon a little bit. I was fading him a little bit just because I didn't really know what was happening. And it's interesting that he's not going to be playing in this preseason, but I think he's coming at such a good value in drafts in, like, the middle of second round that I'm kind of getting more on board with taking Le'Veon. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be – it's something where the breakout side could be something in, like, four weeks where everyone is like, shit, should have taken Le'Veon. Or yeah. he could be the biggest bust ever, you know? Like, there's no – He hasn't played in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. But he's so athletic, you know what I mean? Yeah. That... I have I have a pretty specific take on Lev. I think he's like a really safe option, ironically, even though I just said he missed the last couple of years, but I think he's going to get like a ton of volume on a weekly basis. I just don't know if that offense is going to be fast enough to give him like really big volume to finish like top five running back. I don't know. Exactly, because it's not like someone who's uh, getting you down to the red zone like consistently. And the other thing too is that our offensive line is like pretty weak right now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. And like, like we were saying, there's so many weapons on this Jets team. It's really refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to, it'll be interesting to see for the, I mean, but the thing is, is that you always got to kind of keep your expectations a little bit in check as a Jets fan. Like I, I think, I know this isn't, I'm going to be optimistic and say we get seven wins this year. And that's, I think, higher than most people. I've read a couple where people are saying that we get five five wins, but... I could see that for yeah. sure. And yeah, so, I think that's super realistic, man. And, I mean, a little bit of Sam Darnold progression, get him to another tier quarterback, and seven wins is within reach for sure. That defense is going to be pretty good. And yeah, and I'm... keep building on that. But the problem is that we never really lose, so we never really get draft picks. Like, we'll just linger around every year with like five six wins <laughs> it's yeah, like frustrating because you're like why are you beat why are you beating this team right now like <laughs> I need you to lose please number no, one because that new york newspaper will kill you yeah oh. that's true <laughs> but you know it sucks because the jets always hit like you're we we're talking about jamal adams like that was your guys highest pick in a long time and like you said yeah yeah yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what works for the Jets are is known as that as a defensive team, right? So yeah. we got to get back to the essence of that, and I think we're starting to. I mean, we think we spent too much money on linebackers, CJ Moss. <laughs> <but. laughs> I love it. I love it. 
that's New York shit though. Like I, and it's old school shit. Yeah, middle yeah. linebacker. That's old school shit. Yeah, absolutely. It. Leonard Williams is healthy. Totally. I think that defense is shaping up nicely. I think CJ Mosley kind of really rounds that defense into form because it gives him a really good veteran presence and he's going to kind of control yeah. that defense when it comes to play calling. And yeah, sure, like he's going to be like a locker room totally. support as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be exciting. All right. So, Dan, you were, uh, you were talking a little bit about the draft you just had. Uh, you said you had the 11th pick. Um, how'd that draft turn out for you? Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so, okay, so this is my main... I'm in two leagues this year. I've only drafted one so far. This is, like, my main league that I'm in with my best friends. That uh, I'm in it with two people I live with, and then the rest are just other buddies, and we've been in it for a few years together. And uh, one of our friends, like, always has the worst luck. Like, one year he drafted... Um, David Johnson, and then he went out, like, right after. Like, things like that always happen to him. And this time he accidentally took DeAndre Hopkins with the fourth pick. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think he was, like, looking at him to just kind of, like, research some stuff. And then it uh, he had it selected. And then the, the app, like, actually glitched, closed him out of it. And when he opened it back up, it was, like, one second. And then it just drafted DeAndre. So DeAndre going at four actually kind of opened things up because with the 11th pick, I thought I was going to have to take a wide receiver. But um, because of him taking DeAndre and because of my other friend taking Le'Veon, um, I was able to uh, take Chubb at, oh, wow. nice. at 11. So then I took Chubb. And then uh, right after that, I think I had the thir- like 13th. I was up in two picks after that. So then I took Dalvin Cook. Um, who I thought was such a bum last year, but I mean, listening to you guys and just reading up on other things, like it does look like he's going to have a big year. So, yeah, they're going to be pretty run heavy with the new offensive coordinator there. And I think he's going to get some good passing work. So I'm big on Dalvin cook. I just took him with the second round pick in a startup that we did as well. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm super huge on uh, Nick Chubb too. I love taking him in the first round. But yeah, yeah, no, I think that that's encouraging. And I think that that's the fun part of fantasy football is that you can see players break out last year like Chubb and get excited for this year and, and roll the dice and take them with your first pick because it could really pay off. So I'm always going to be the one who gets like my fantasy football report back from Yahoo and is going to say something low because I'm always going to be taking risks and stuff like that. Because for me, that's like the whole fun of it you know yep. like it makes me cheer 10 times harder so i totally agree if yeah. you're getting a, if you're getting a 97 overall in your mock draft you did something wrong exactly you <laughs> took two quarterbacks and two kickers and totally so that's not how you I do took, it uh after that i took who's my third pick then i took uh this is a little bit of a sentimental pick uh but i reliable robert woods who I picked up off of waiver wires two years ago, um, like right before he started clicking and it like took me to the playoffs, brought me to second place. And he was just like a waiver wire guy. So like I, I clung to him more because it was like so much more special. And then I yeah. drafted him again last year and he kind of became the main target. Like he's, he's, he's reliable Robert, you know, like he's, he's super good for, he has always has touchdown upside anytime he's on the field. And yeah, so I really like him and he more for me, like my roommate had, uh, had cooks. Um, is it cooks? The other receiver cooks. Yeah. 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 He had, he had cooks and the whole time he was just like cursing. Cause he was like, I'm supposed to have cooks and you're and here was getting all the yards. So, I took Woods as my next pick, and then um, after that, who did I get? I got Calvin Ridley, and then I did a little bit of a thing where I did uh, a little bit of an Atlanta trio. Uh, Welcome to ATL squad. I got Matt Ryan, (laughs) uh, Hooper, the tight end, and Ridley. So it's a great stack, man. I've that is a great done stack. That strategy before, but I think with a high scoring offense like Atlanta, it could be kind of fun. Like 
it might not always pan out and it might not always play all three players, but maybe it's something where like if Matt Ryan throws a touchdown to Hooper and Ridley in one game, which I mean, we've seen that how many times? I totally agree, man. That's like one of the best stacks you can make in fantasy. I think so Word. too. Thank you. And then I got uh, Amari, Amari Cooper. Um, nice. I have plantar fasciitis in my foot, so I, I heard that he had it. So I was like, you know what, man? I got to believe in Amari this year. <laughs> you guys are boys. Yeah, dude, it's dope. So I don't know. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a great receiver. He was just starting to come into his own with the, with the offense last year. So we'll see. Um, I don't really ever like betting on Dallas at all, but um, I also got DD Westbrook as another receiver. On oh the bench, yeah. Who could be a huge sleeper. So I'd probably play matchup in my flex. I didn't go hard enough on running backs, but you know what? At, with the 11th pick, there wasn't really, like every time I was looking at what was on the board, the running backs weren't worth sacrificing the quality of wide receivers that were available. So, yeah, it's kind of tough because I'm just going to see who who does what and then trade off people. Like I have guys like M- MVS on Green Bay who could be interesting and could be involved in a trade or Marquise Goodwin I picked up super late in the draft. Um and then like I got my core my core receivers. Um okay, so yeah, I got DD Westbrook who I think could be fun this year. What do you guys think about him? Yeah, I love DD this year, man. He's uh he's got a new quarterback in uh BDN Nick Foles. Uh yeah. I think he's going to be a good little slot option giving him the short targets. So I think, you know, for your wide receiver four, DD's a great great pickup. Yeah, exactly. So I might I might wield him in a trade to someone. I'm looking at the other teams trying to see who's weak at receiver. Um because I have on my bench D.D. Westbrook, Jamison Crowder, Valdez, Scantling, Gallup, and Goodwin. Woo-hoo. So they're all like seven, eight, nine, ten point players who, I mean, for someone just looking to fill a roster might need. Um, but then, yeah, I, uh, I have Duke Johnson as well, um, who I think will be fun and exciting to watch. And I'm in a PPR league, so... He's nice. kind of perfect for that for that kind of league with Deshaun Watson just slinging him screen passes all day. Yeah, man, Duke was a great pickup for those guys, and I think I think after this season, Ty and I have talked about it a little bit. After this season is going to be where Duke really gets his value, but uh, I think that's a good little timeshare to be a part of for sure. Yeah, it'll be cool. Um, so I mean, I I don't know. I still probably have to <laughs> figure out something at running back but i mean i might just play a receiver in my flex that's the beauty of the running backs you have you got nick chubb and you got dalvin cook so you got some horses up at the top there and you can afford to kind of kind of stream your flex spot and look for bye week fill-in with having guys that are going to be such top end producers there yeah exactly so i'm gonna see like i might not need to trade for anyone but it might be something where um like Duke Johnson doesn't produce like I hoped he would or something like at all, or he has no real value, which I don't really think, but that's who I'm, that's who I'm planning a flag in. That's who I'm, yeah, man. Who I'm going to rally for. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets touchdowns. He steals touchdowns, man. He steals well, they're touchdowns. Not, they're not going to pick him up if they're not going to use him either. And Bill O'Brien's been looking for another good option in the backfield too. And Duke Johnson is an unbelievable player. So I'm excited for his opportunities to grow. Yeah, they're restructuring that offense for sure. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a stressful year for me watching Atlanta games, which I've never really done. But I got Ryan, Ridley, and Hooper. So it's going to be like I'm just going to be cursing Julio. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, think that's I mean, going to be pretty fun for you, man. They're a great team to watch, and they're going to be high-powered this year. And it's going to be so stressful for my opponent. Like, can you imagine just like opening up your phone to see who you're, to see who you're up against. And I got all three Atlanta in and you're like watching the game. Like, Oh my God. They got a 40 burger (laughs) on the scoreboard too. Yeah. The only person who's kind of injured on Atlanta right now is Julio, which helps my case. (laughs) Julio Julio is always kind of injured. 
<laughs> yeah, he shows up yeah, when he he is a superstar. Yeah. I yeah. I I say that loving Julio. So it's oh, all yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Right on, Dan. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you got going on musically these days? Um, I'm just like kind of doing like concert series out here in Calgary. Um, we have like a really cool venue downtown called Broken City that we throw like rooftop patio stuff on. Um, so did a lot of that this summer and then I don't know, just working on new music and then um I'm going to try and set up a Canadian tour uh this year and then I want to try and get back to the states because that's kind of where like the core fan base is is really growing is in the United States. So I'm going to try and get back out over there, but yeah, it's just like I'm I'm just working on new music and just loving life and watching football. And that's killer, I told man. the venue because we used to run we used to do hip hop bingo every Sunday during the summer and it was doing so well that we were talking with the venue about extending it. And I was like, actually I can't do it on Sundays because that's like my sanity and my like social life. <laughs> like I can't, I would lose touch with my friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's right. the one day that, I have to like reserve for just like cooking too much food and hanging out with my friends and you yeah. know, that's it. I can't do anything else. Sorry guys. You guys know. Oh yeah. It's a lifestyle. So <laughs> absolutely. And it's the only way I really like keep in touch. Like for instance, I even joined a baseball fantasy this, this year, even though I hate baseball <laughs> just so I could stay in touch with an old friend because you know, he was going through a hard time and I felt the need to connect to him. So when he asked me if I wanted to join, I was like, all right, fine. I'll play baseball fantasy just because I know I want to be connected, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Fantasy football, fantasy, anything. And it's dope that you guys are giving it a, giving it a good analysis. Giving her the old college try. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> All right, Dan. So thanks for coming. Again, that's Transit 22 on Spotify. So make sure you check them out. Um, we're going to ride out with another one of Dan's tracks, just like we did on our second episode. This one's called Minutes. So hope you enjoy it. And uh, peace. Sick in the head, just trying to go viral. The wheels fell off, still riding, still vibing, surviving. All I wanted was a little bit of silence. My brain's take a little psilocybin, and it won't change. But we're trying, politician, ill advised me. And they wonder why I'm still a little tiring. Been crying, see it in my eyelids. Watch his fate, we all know it. You're addicted to the moment. This is their game, we're tokens. This is their cage, we're rodents. Nobody knows their neighbor She could be a model, just think anyway She could give Tresemme a resume Heaven's sake, it feels like seventh grade To be fair, you used to think I'd make the NBA So why do you stay? At the sun when it flares So why do you stay? At the sun when it flares The wheels fell off 
Get it, trade the rest of our lives. Get it, trade the rest of our lives. Get it.